The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome, everybody, to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so happy to have you along. Uh, We've got a fantastic show lined up for you. And and wow, what a week. Uh, It was a fantastic week uh, for us. I was actually in New York City meeting with our, our primary platinum sponsor, CA, uh, had a chance to then go to Chicago and meet with the Chicagoland PMI chapter, and that was a, a fantastic experience. All of the people there uh, in Chicago welcomed me with with open arms, had a fantastic time uh, visiting with that chapter. Can't wait to get back to them uh, soon. And uh, got a really good show today, so I just I, I do want to jump right into that because it, it, it's pretty exciting. Um, and it happened kind of organically too, and so we'll we'll, we'll talk about that for a little bit. But I, I met a gentleman by the name of Paul Samarol, um through some connections, and as we just started speaking, uh, turns out he has he uh, works with an organization that that runs uh, what's called the Resource Planning Summit, and uh, through the connections and that kind of stuff, it, it turns out that it looks like I'm going to get to be a part of this. And, and as this ball started rolling and steamrolling, I really wanted to, to make sure the listeners had an opportunity to hear about the event, know what it's going on, and, and also just you know how it came to be. And it, I, I get fascinated by these types of stories. So um, we invited along a gentleman by the name of Peter Heinrich. Uh, and uh, he's got a long history in technology, product development, and management. Uh, he's had a 20-year career with Xerox. And for all of my listeners, you know my time at Xerox and, and, and what that meant to me. Uh, he managed a group uh, that developed the original STAR workstation functional specification and later played key roles in program management and planning process design. In uh, 1989, he co-founded Integrated Project Systems, which is later now IPS Associates, uh, where he created the uh, IPS Portfolio Management Practice. And so based on that experience with corporations large and small, he designed a portfolio resource planning and management process and co-founded a company called PDWare, which is a leading PPM software and consulting company. And he's currently president and CEO. And, uh, you know, he's going to be the the keynote, uh, one of the keynote speakers at the Resource Planning Summit on May 23rd. I'm actually going to be the closing keynote speaker on May 24th at a two-day event uh, on the USS Intrepid in New York City, New York. Uh, so, so excited for the event. We're welcoming, uh, welcoming Peter to the show. And, and Peter, if you would, just uh, how did this all come to be? Uh, well, thank you for the introduction, uh, Rick. Uh, Yes, you know how uh, people often say that uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, Well, you might say that uh, consciousness of failure is the mother of invention. I kept uh, stubbing my toe on trying to make things work better in project-driven organizations, uh, both at Xerox and subsequently, 
And uh, I'm sure most uh, people who are involved in this technology business and in project management have had the experience of getting very excited about some new process or some new approach to doing things, and you think it's going to solve all the problems. Well, that's how I felt when I encountered project management. And uh, during those years when we were uh, trying to deliver good project management training and consulting support and so on, uh, we found that we were quite successful at doing the basics of it, but that there was something else needed, that the organizations were, were not succeeding. They'd do a great job on one project, and then six months later, they'd fail at another one. And uh, so we realized that there is something more than just project management and good people and, you know, uh, knowing your, your technology or your, your area of knowledge uh, involved in organizing uh, activities in larger organizations. And that led to this sort of idea, that concept, that there's a portfolio and a resource planning component of all of that. And it was so exciting to realize that there was, in fact, something that could be done to improve the, the uh, performance of organizations. So we, uh, when we got going with this concept and with this product, the set of products we have and the approach, um, we wanted to make it more broadly available, and we wanted to stimulate discussion about it. And so we initiated this uh, thought leadership conference on the topic of portfolio resource planning. And it's been very successful. Uh, people who attended uh, really love the conference because they get a fresh view of things of this particularly important topic. And it's become um, quite the uh, growth area in the conference space and in uh, the practice space of uh, process consulting and uh, and product delivery. Yeah, and and that's where Paul and I, you know, started talking, and, and really the birth of my company, R Square Consulting. Um, and we we tend to stay technology independent. We were finding it's not the tools that fail. The the, the tools uh, are really almost ancillary to the process and the people. And it was it was making sure that you know, from my perspective, when when I started to get into this industry, I wanted to make sure that we were providing that thought leadership and change management and things like that. So I was really impressed with the concept of you know this isn't. Uh, you know, a, a training event specifically around a, a product, but it is providing that thought leadership to provide that energy and change management and thought leadership. Um, and by the way, it supports the product at the same time. I, I thought that yeah. was a really cool concept. Yeah. Well, the the interesting thing about that, yes, I agree with you completely. The uh, the tool is not the solution. The process that the tool supports is the solution, and that process is executed by people. So if you don't have the people focused on the right process, no matter what your tools are, you're not going to succeed. Having said that, of course, uh, some aspects of the tools are very important because if the tools don't support an effective process, the tool is going to lead to failure. Uh, we've, I, I certainly saw that uh, in, uh, both in terms of process and in terms of tools. Um, when uh, I was trying, 
in the early years of our project management consulting business uh, to get a whole bunch of people using very detail-oriented tools who just didn't have time for it, and they didn't have the inclination, nor did they have the expertise to use uh, highly detailed tools uh, to support their process. They needed something simpler. And uh, and I, I have to admit that uh, I tried for several years to make it happen, and I, I did fail. Having had a few successes, uh, that led me to keep trying. But then suddenly the light bulb went on, and uh, we had a, a sort of a realization. And what was that realization? Well, the realization was that in the context of trying to plan the activities for a large organization, the project management uh, discipline was leaving out the functional or resource manager, the person who has people reporting to him or her. And we initially didn't even recognize this. both we and my company, me, myself, and we in the business of project management. We just failed to recognize that we were very focused on project schedule planning and detailed activity uh, loaded uh, project plans and, and various other aspects of project management. And this is not to knock that at all. That stuff is critically important. It has to be done well by some people. But you need something else, and what you need is the appropriate involvement of the functional or resource manager in your process, your planning process up front, the annual operating plan, and routinely throughout the execution of your portfolio. And that was a, a, a real bombshell for us. <clears throat> we, we didn't have any way of expressing that. We didn't have any way of communicating that to our customers, and we didn't have a process or a tool set that would support that kind of engagement of the functional resource manager in this overall planning process. Right. So w- when you're talking about that, that's also you know capturing the keeping the lights on type activities and the other commitments that have been made for that resource as well outside of your plan. Is that correct? And that that is exactly right. Uh, you, you need to have someone who is really close to the resources, who really understands them, knows the work they're doing, to give you good data so that you have fresh, credible data about the utilization of resources that is the the, the source for the all of the analysis you're going to do about your portfolio. And the way and, to get that is to ask the person who knows. Absolutely. And it starts at the top as well, right? So for people who have listened to the show since the beginning, and I think it was my first or second show, I went through my five key executive questions. And the, you know, the first question is, is, how do you know how many projects you can do? Is yeah, that based exactly. on uh, what you spend or what your people can actually accomplish? And, and so that leads to the next question of what percentage of your staff is available to do projects? And it's amazing how many organizations out there don't know the answer to that question. They think they do, but that there's no credible source of that data where they truly know what that is. And, and that's where these systems are becoming so palatable and so necessary, especially as we're trying to do more with less. Yeah, exactly. The 
the uh, the key question for for a portfolio decision has to be when you're asking to whether can we start this project or not. It has to be number one: is it worth doing? Number two, and equally important. Uh, can we do it? Do we have the people with the right skills and the, and the availability at the right time in order to meet the program or the project's objectives? And if you don't have that and you don't have credible, real data about the utilization of your resources across the organization, the management team is uh, shooting in the dark. They're, they're you know, picking goals out of the air and saying, well, we have to do this, or let's get this done then, uh, without fully recognizing the impact on the people. And one of the th- I love the topic of your show, uh, Rick, uh, work-life balance, because one of the things that this leads to, that, that uh, lack of data about the utilization of resources and the failure to consider it in portfolio decision-making is that organizations are continually asking their people to do more and more and more without fully recognizing how loaded they are. And the result is that uh, people are working overtime or they get burned out and they leave. Um, So you have a real problem. And I always say that uh, there's a lot in this for the functional or resource manager and for his or her people in that this is a method for showing very clearly to the senior management team just how loaded people are and just how limited their availability is to take on more work. And you're absolutely correct. And I appreciate that connection because that's the exact reason why I named this the work-life balance and the exact problem we're trying to solve. And uh, it's something that's near and dear to my heart and something that's been my platform uh, as far as a speaker since, since I started this. Uh, listen, we're right up against a break. Uh, we need to uh, pay some bills, let uh, our sponsors do some talking real quick, and we'll be on the other side uh, in just a couple of minutes. But while we're there, uh, go to www.resourceplanningsummit.com and see some information about this very event that we're talking about. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, 
Build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. Welcome back. Thank you for continuing to listen to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. We're we're, uh, talking with Peter Heinrich. He is the lead keynote speaker at the Resource Planning Summit, also the president uh, and co-founder of PDWare. And before we went into break, he actually made the connection, and and I love him for it, uh, of why I even call this show the Work-Life Balance. And what I see out there, Peter, all the time is, you know, executives basically are, are picking projects based on what they can spend, not what they can do, as, as we were leading into, and that creates what I call the resource war. It's an acronym. Um, and, and for every project that comes up, you can either wait for the resources to become available, you can acquire new resources, or you can redirect. The problem is for resource managers is, is they don't have the data to be able to uh, enact that war. And so we end up doing everything. Uh, that turns into nights and weekends, horrible you know, working conditions, and then 59 to 94% of projects fail, depending on what study you read. Do you, what, do you have any comments in, in that direction? Well, yes, I do. In fact, it's really interesting uh, that uh, you cite that uh, number. I, uh, in uh, preparing for a number of talks um, on this topic, I did a survey of surveys, and looked at a number of them, uh, including surveys by PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, PMI, and uh, on the internet, various other sources. And you get numbers that, uh, in in my survey, uh, ranged from a 45% failure rate to 55% or more. Uh, there were a few outliers. Uh, one outlier was, uh, I think, probably extreme. Uh, but taking 45 to 55% in the year 2015, that is jaw-dropping. Just think about how long the project management profession has been in existence. The modern project management profession started sometime in the 50s, approximately. And it was very slow to get started, but then it really took off in the 80s and in the 90s. And in the most recent um, PMI global job study, 
there was an astonishing estimate of the number of uh, program and project managers active in the world and in the United States. And I don't know if you have any idea how many project managers there are in the world or in the United States, Rick, but the number absolutely floored me. I frequently ask the question of audiences, how many uh, project managers are there? And I've never had anybody come close to the number that PMI has reported. PMI has reported something on the order of five or five and a half million project managers in the U.S. alone, 28 million project managers in 10 major uh, developed countries, just astonishing numbers. And when you think about the fact, the, the amount of money that's spent on project management, just think about training, for instance. There's probably 10 or so billion dollars a year spent on training. Um, and the salary is in, on the order of a trillion dollars a year. So this is just absolutely astonishing that we've had 50, 60 years of project management. We have tens of millions of project managers, a trillion dollars going into compensation and training and other expense, and we have a 45 to 55% failure rate. Well, what's going on here? Well, it, clearly, it's not the project manager, and it's not the people. Uh, so there's another problem going on, and that's why this comes back to the resource wars. And uh, we see this all the time with our customers and prospects uh, where you go out and you do a survey of how many projects are going on and how much people are working on them. And you see that they've started, these uh, decision makers have started way too many projects. And so they just cannot all get done. And Rick, I really liked your, your summary of the choices you have. You really only have four choices if you want to fix the problem of too many projects. You either delay a project so that it's delayed until it can get the resources it needs. You can go out and get the resources every project needs. Or you can kill those projects or change their scope so they don't need so many resources. And all four of those decisions are management, executive management decisions, because they bear on the whole portfolio. So this is really a profoundly important thing for the people and for the functional managers who are at the receiving end of all of these inadequately thought through decisions. Well, and it, 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 speaking to the failure rates, uh, I'll, I'll challenge that a little bit further in why I go so high. Um, so one of the studies that that I like to reference, and it was done by by a, a great mentor of mine, uh, Rob Tomset. Uh, what they did is they investigated the forty five percent that were deemed successful in terms of delivering scope, delivering on time, delivering on budget, uh, and really dug in to find out if they truly were successful or did they just meet those three criteria. But what was happening is because we accelerated the date or because we didn't have enough staff, we covertly degraded scope, uh, failed to meet the uh, ROI, we turned over a huge amount of staff after the project because we made them work nights and weekends. And so the costs um, that are 
are directly attributable to the project, even though we closed the project, right? Those weren't being uh, pulled through, and that's where those failure statistics really start to grow. Uh, and that's something that I'm seeing uh, quite often. So we can say, yay, you know, we met this date. Uh, uh, and it, what's interesting for us right now, too, is is we've kicked off a, a research project right now with InfoTech. Um, one of the other things that, that we're really focusing on in, in terms of project success and failure is what I call the myth of the mandated date. You know, almost uh, yeah. every project comes out with a date. And so it's not only are they are they picking a hundred projects to do with a staff of of eighty five people, but they all have a date attached as soon as the project's created, and yeah. and so that's leading to these failures as well. In in there's again unless you have a system where it can very quickly show you where your resource bottlenecks are, whether or not those decisions are even credible decisions when you make them. And what projects you should be doing or not doing, that, that's where it falls down. In, in, in this thought pattern that we can do every project is just ludicrous. And yeah. the best PMOs out there kill more projects in the ideation phase than they approve. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I like to say is that, uh, uh, ask the question, how many people does it take to start a project? It takes one, yeah. right? And so if you've got 100 people, you can start 100 projects. <laughs> but if those projects take more than that one person it took to start them, you're going to be in very deep trouble at some point in the near future. And so this whole issue about really having a good handle on the current utilization of your people and then having a process where you estimate what's the resource profile going to be like uh, for these projects that are on the wish list, uh, are we going to get a huge stack up around critical skills? And it's not just numbers of people, of course. It's the people with the skills. How many skills do you need to complete this project at various points in time? So all of that has to be taken into consideration. And in most cases, it's not. And your point about the date is, of course, well well taken. I mean, that is the worst uh, problem of management is to set an initial date and think that that initial target date is the committed date. That's, that's the worst fallacy of all, I think, because it absolutely refuses to recognize reality. And reality comes in the form of good, smart people thinking about what the work is and how much effort and time it's going to take to do that work. And if that uh, sort of scientific uh, data is not played back into the date, you just have wishful thinking. Um, I don't know if you've heard this, uh, Rick. I actually literally heard this from a senior executive many, many years ago um, who said, hey, look, that's the date. I don't care what you're saying now. If you can't do it, I'll get someone else who can. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> this is not a fun environment to work in. And, and that happens all the time. And, and it, the, the funniest thing is, and, and this is one of my favorite lines in my speeches, I, I, I always kick off my speeches at, my, at the PMI chapters, and I tell them that they have been running projects under the greatest lie that was ever told. Greatest lie ever told, and every project manager has been told this their entire career, and it is a complete untruth. It's a complete lie. And that is, you own the project. 
you don't you don't own a thing, man. Those aren't your resources. That's not your scope. It's not your money. The only thing you're standing there to own is the blame for when it goes wrong. Your job. I don't know where where it became the definition that we became omniscient people who can magically make mandated dates happen. But that's not our job. Our job is to increase the percentage chance of hitting any one date or any one budget based on decisions you make as my sponsor. My job is to show you that path. But I can't mandate a date. I can't guarantee a date, a budget, anything. That's not my job. My job is to figure it out and tell you what it's going to cost, what it's going to take, and it's your job to recognize whether or not we should do this. And I think that that's one of the biggest things as as a career maturity growth pattern for project managers to understand. You don't own that project. It's not your job to guarantee the date. And your job is to continually to look and track and push back and, and, and use your tool set to make those executives understand where we are, where we need to be, and what it's going to take to get there. And sometimes the best answer is to not do the project. It's, it's the greatest answer that's out there. Listen, we're right up against another break. We'll be back on the other side. We're still talking to Peter uh, with PD Ware. We'll be right back. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the work-life balance. And we're back. Thank you so much for listening. We've been uh, talking about uh, project management systems, implementation of that project, failure statistics, kind of a little bit all over the board, but that's what we love to do on this show. Uh, You have my ADD to thank for that, and uh, hopefully you're being entertained at the same time. In coming back, you you know, when we put systems in like this into play, um, the, the complexities of doing portfolio management, resource management, project management, putting that all together and making the right decisions, that's, that, that's not an easy task. And, and it does require, uh, especially all the way down to our resource managers, the, the ability to think. And it, it, I always love the George Bernard Shaw quote that says, you know, 2% of the people think, 3% of the people think they think, and 95% of the people would rather die than think. And, and you, you kind of feel that sometimes when you go into some of these implementations and, and you really want to push them and, and get that what's in it for me. And, and you, you, Peter, had already alluded to that, right? The what's in it for me and doing these types of implementations and being able to prove uh, the work-life balance and improve the work-life balance of all resources if we do this properly. What are some of those challenges you're seeing out there in the marketplace on that? Well, the the uh, first one, of course, is, uh, oh, no, not another process. Oh, no, not another tool. So it's resistance from the organization to taking on a, a new initiative because almost every organization has had multiple initiatives in the past. They typically have a system that is probably not working terribly well right now. Uh, sometimes they've had one that they abandoned completely after spending an enormous amount of effort uh, trying to get it to work. So that, that's a, a barrier that is uh, inherent in bringing any system in. So you have to approach this in a way that's going to engage the organization, in a way that people will see that there is something in it for them. The, the second thing is if it's terribly complex and requires a high degree of training and skill on the part of all the participants, it's a non-starter. You've got an organization that's filled with people who have skills that they were supposed to develop to accomplish their functions. That's what they're good at, that's what they're trained at, and that's what they want to do. So whatever it is, it has to be lightweight enough that it can engage them to the appropriate level and not be so burdensome that uh, the organization just rejects the transplant. Um, and one of the uh, one of the things that uh, I've found uh, over and over again is that in some organizations that have strong PMOs, there's a uh, sort of an attitude of wanting to control and hoard the process and the data and et cetera uh, within the PMO. And that too is in this portfolio resource planning context a really fatal flaw. It's critically important to get this right, to be collecting data from the people who know best about that data. So the project attributes, the current state of the project, the 
targets that it's shooting for, what's happening, what are the issues, what is the schedule, what are the costs, all that stuff is the purview of the project manager. All the stuff that has to do with the resources and how much they're allocated to the project and how much they're working on other things and so forth and keeping that data up to date, that has to be the purview of the first level resource manager. And when I say first level, I mean the person to whom the individual contributors report. So I have a first level manager. I'm reporting to this person. Uh, that person needs to be the owner of the data about the resource utilization, meaning me. Uh, I may put in time tracking information because I'm the best person in the world to do that. I know what I've done. But in terms of planning, my manager has to be the person who stands up and is responsible for that data. And if that manager can do that rather simply, it's not an excessive burden on him or her. And so if you have a PMO that's controlling all that and not reaching out to collect the data from the people who are closest to the activity, you have a really serious problem. And in fact, many times we have seen implementations fail, even with our products and our process, where um, it was controlled excessively and not properly deployed to the individual managers, both resource and project, who need to provide the data that goes into the analysis that then can support the decision-making. So those are some of the things we've found that are big issues in implementation. And we see that a lot. We, yeah, I run into that quite a bit, too, or even where the resource managers are like, well, I don't want to put that into a tool. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, and you're like, guys, come on. What, that's what you're paid for. <laughs> if, if you don't want to do that, then don't have people underneath you. Go back to being a worker bee. Uh, well, but you know, uh, this is part of the responsibility of being a resource manager. Yes, you know, that's, uh, you bring to mind uh, a literally a, a situation I had many years ago. This was when I was doing the project management company. And uh, we were trying to get... Um, a set of managers, first-level resource managers uh, at a large computer company in Boston uh, to uh, provide uh, resource data. And this manager sat in the room and said, I don't want to give that information to my management. I don't want them to know how much my resources are being utilized because they'll just ask me to do more. That's right. And so she refused, literally refused, to provide the data. Now, that, we, that speaks to uh, a management problem, uh, not necessarily her problem, but her environment where she was feeling abused uh, by the management not being appropriate in what it was asking for. And we see that all the time. And, and same thing with team members. When you ask them to track time, you always get the, you know, where do I track time when I'm tracking time? Where do I track time when I'm going to the bathroom? You know, <laughs> we, we get all that kind of stuff as well. Talk yeah. talk to me a little bit about PDWare, though, and, and what you feel are some of the differentiators in the marketplace for, for your tool. Well, the, the very first thing is that we really are resource planning centric in, a, in the sense that 
we provide a very simple direct method for functional resource managers to provide the data about their resource utilization. So it's quite easy for them to do what they need to do. They, they can, you know, we've done surveys and they can do in, in 20 minutes a month uh, all of their forecasting and predicting of how their resources are going to be utilized over the next rolling period, like three to six months. Um, so it doesn't take them a lot of time, and they can provide and keep up the date of this fresh, credible data about the use of resources. And we do the same thing with the project managers. We don't try to do everything, but we have this simple method of collecting all of this data. And so when then we are able to pull this together and do a prioritized analysis of how well the resource pool with its skills can meet the skill demands of all the projects in the portfolio based on priorities. So we show where in time and where on the priority list there are gaps and give, you know, really simple drill-down capabilities so that you can examine those gaps and various ways to help solve them. So that we essentially... uh, produce a system that leaves management team no excuse for doing the bad thing, namely approving too many projects that can't be done. It's staring them in the face. So they have to take some action. So that's, that's one of the major differentiators. And then uh, the other is that we're quite open. We will integrate with other systems. We will take data in from Microsoft Project or Clarity or any other. So we, we can live side by side with the other systems that are out there and provide significant benefits. So th- those are a couple of the major differentiators. Excellent. And as you're saying, ease of use is, is you know, quite frankly, the, the biggest barrier, right? Uh, so absolutely. many of the systems are built from the bottom up from a fully resource-loaded project schedule, which about 15% to 10% of the project managers in the market can truly do that. Yeah, uh, well, one of our experiences when we were doing, when I was doing the project management training and consulting company is we tried to get resource managers to use Microsoft Project. And the guy said to me, get out of here. I've got a day job. I can't use that. It's too complicated. It's too much detail and doesn't give me any value. Uh, So to just get information about his use of resources, it was completely unnecessary for him to do that. Somebody needed to do it because a really carefully planned project needs that kind of capability that's present in Clarity and in Microsoft Project. But not everybody needs to do that, as you say. Right. And, and, you know, Microsoft Project being kind of the de facto tool that everybody had on their desktop and and uh, you know you were you were quoting the five and a half million project managers. Well, probably five point four million of those project managers didn't come out of college wanting to be a project manager. We all got <laughs> tapped along, you know, somewhere along the way, and yeah. fell into this profession. And then they give us this tool, and they say go, and yeah. very little training. Very you know, and, and it is a very complex tool that most people just haven't had time uh, to figure out. Again, not their fault. Uh, but but very few people truly know how to 
uh, update that tool and put the put the data in properly to where it can flow into an enterprise system like this. So, you know, I hear it all the time is, you know, the project tool broke my project plan. I was like, no, nah, your project uh, plan was no, no, broken no. beforehand. Uh, <laughs> you just didn't know it. You've never yeah. seen it, but it's been broken for a long time. So, hey, we're going to take one more break. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about the Resource Planning Summit coming up May 23rd and 24th in New York City. You guys can find more information on that. It's uh, www.resourceplanningsummit.com. We'll talk about some of the speakers that are going to be there and just a little bit more about the event when we come back on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you, turn left ahead, the digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And welcome back to our final segment of the Work-Life Balance today. We've had a fantastic time talking to Peter Heinrich of uh, PDWare and uh, also the lead keynote speaker of the, of the Resource Planning Summit. And I was I was honored to be asked to uh, also be one of the uh, closing keynotes uh, for that. So I will be there uh, on the 23rd and 24th as well. And uh, we've got some fantastic speakers coming out. If you look at the uh, uh, the lineup, you've got uh, Michael Parrish Dudel who wrote uh, – uh, Shark Tank Jump, uh, or Shark Tank Jumpstart Your Business, right? So 
the official book uh, from Shark Tank, and, and we had a, a previous um, uh, guest on the show that was on Shark Tank. Um, just scrolling through, right, you've got uh, Philip Thomas, some of the people that, that I've been on the circuit with for a long time. Uh, Kevin Martin's a great guy. Uh, he's president of the Alamo uh, chapter, PMI. Uh, fantastic guy. Love, love Kevin. Uh, when I did my very first speech, Peter, um, I was right next door to, to Frank Saladis. Oh, yeah. We were a little raucous, and uh, Frank had to come out and, and find out you know, who, who was the young guy uh, uh, making people laugh at project management, because uh, normally we're not a, a very entertaining bunch. Uh, so uh, he had to come out and find out what was happening there, but I love Frank. I've known him for several, t- you know, for several years on that. You had Bill Stewart uh, from the Project Management Leadership Group coming in, Laura Stack, Stephen Shapiro is an innovation evangelist and business. I mean, what a fantastic lineup and just so much more. You guys got to go to resourceplanningsummit.com uh, to see the whole lineup of speakers. But talk about the venue and everything uh, that, that you guys have put together there. Well, the venue is really interesting. For those uh, listeners who don't know New York, uh, the uh, aircraft carrier Intrepid is parked in the Hudson. And they actually have a conference space on it, and we are holding our conference on the aircraft carrier uh, in the conference space. The hotel is just two blocks away uh, in a wonderful uh, new hotel, Uh, and it's going to be a really fun event. There are fun things planned. All of our resource planning summits have been uh, had an element of a lot of uh, good intellectual stuff, uh, a lot of good practical stuff a lot of thought leadership, but also a lot of fun. And that's also planned for this time. So uh, anybody who is going to be in New York and has an interest in this topic would be well advised to attend. Absolutely. And, of course, one of the things we always have to do when you have an event like this is you've got to thank your early sponsors, right? And so, obviously, PD Ware being a big sponsor of this. Uh, Resource First is a, a sponsor. And then the Project Management Leadership Group is a sponsor as well. So, always always love your early sponsors, right? Always got to give yeah. them love and, and a shout-out um, to all of that. So, from an agenda perspective, this goes over two days. Is that correct? It goes over two days. Uh, there are some... Uh, software training sessions following for people who are interested in tools, but the conference itself is the Monday and Tuesday, uh, just the two days. Excellent. And, and what's, what's the cost to, to attend? The cost is nineteen ninety for the conference, and uh, the follow-on training uh, is only for people who are current users of software, so that's uh, irrelevant, really. And so it also includes an event night uh, on the rooftop uh, at Rockefeller Center, is that correct? That's, that's correct, uh, and we have some pretty terrific <laughs> event planners. Uh, I don't... Uh, no, if you've heard about this, uh, Rick, but last year the event was held in New Orleans and they had a marching band come to the hotel and lead everybody in the conference through the streets, through Bourbon Street and through the streets of that district uh, to the, one of the famous bars there where the uh, evening event was held. Great time. Outstanding. And of course, for those PMPs that are out there, there's there's PDUs that are going to be available at the event. Um, and of course, the ability just to also network and, and meet a ton of people, uh, a ton of thought leaders, 
uh, people that uh, are, are going to be sharing uh, a lot of the things that we've just shared. Uh, I'll be doing uh, how to innovate uh, with existing human capital, which speaks to the very subject and everything that we talked about today, which is basically, you know, without portfolio management planning and without understanding what we can do with what we have, um, we can't innovate, uh, especially if we're chasing the tail. So do you, do you have... Go ahead. I would add uh, just one thing, that uh, a couple of our speakers are industry speakers who I know them personally and know them to be among the very best program and project managers I've ever met. These are really good, smart people, and they are being uh, enormously successful at implementing the kind of processes we've been talking about during the show. And so the attendees will get to hear from them. And so this is really nitty-gritty practical stuff about how people are actually doing it and succeeding at doing so it's it's a, a precious opportunity for anybody who feels a need and wants to know more about this. That's perfect. And I'm excited. I can't wait. It's it's on my calendar. Again, it's May 23rd, 24th in New York City. Uh, so if you're listening to this uh, on demand, there's still plenty of time to register. Uh, listening to it live, go register now. Uh, again, you can go to resourceplanningsummit.com. It's got all the details and all the pictures and, and everything up uh, so that you guys can go register. Um, really uh, appreciate you taking the time to, to come on to the show and, and share uh, some of your stories with us and, and everything else that you've done, Peter. It's, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Rick. I've enjoyed it, and, and I appreciate everything you've done, too. Uh, thank you so much. And next week, gang, we've got uh, Erica Flora that's going to be coming onto the show. She is uh, actually was just named one of the top uh, 20 project managers that you should be following on Twitter. Uh, I've known Erica for years. She's uh, part of what's called the Beyond 20 uh, company. Uh, and uh, she does a fantastic job in, in ITIL and project management and everything else. She's been a mover and a shaker for a long time. I'm so excited to have her on the show. We're going to be talking about, again, just a little bit about everything project management, some of the things that we're seeing in the industry, um, what it's like to be consulting in this industry, uh, in, in some of the, uh, the, the emerging trends that we're certainly seeing uh, in this industry. So please, please join us next week for the Work-Life Balance with Erica Flora. And uh, the week after that, uh, we've got uh, Princess Cuthrill uh, uh, coming on, who's got a, a just a powerful story that we want to share with you um, of, of just being able to, to, to let go and, and be able to thrive um, when you've had a lot of personal hurt. And she's got a fantastic story. She's somebody I met uh, through the John Maxwell training, John Maxwell group. So I'm looking forward to having Princess on as well. Uh, for everybody else, check us out at www.rsquaredconsulting.com. Follow me at, at Rick A. Morris, or you can hit me up on Facebook or LinkedIn as well. All of those materials are on my host page at thevoiceamerica.com. Uh, and you can search the work-life balance there and find not only the past shows, but upcoming shows and all the links uh, in, in websites uh, to hit us, uh, to find Peter, to find the resourceplanningsummit.com. All of that information is going to be up on the host page. We thank you every week for tuning in. The, the numbers are starting to become incredible, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on LinkedIn. 
hit us up through email. Uh, we love to talk to the audience and fire uh, uh, questions back and, and make sure that uh, we're, we're hitting the mark for you. So thank you so much. Um, we did just sign uh, on for an additional year. So the work-life balance is going to be around. I appreciate you guys for that and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. This has been the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.